Welcome to Rediscovered, a podcast dedicated to reviewing TV, movies, and animation from the 80s that we haven't seen since its initial run or missed us altogether. And now your hosts, Jason and Wyatt. Welcome everyone to the Rediscover the 80s podcast in episode 10 of Rediscovered, our journey to review obscure and overlooked TV shows and movies and cartoons from the 80s. I'm one of your hosts, Jason, and with me, as always, on this journey, it's been a minute, but uh, he's back with me, <laughs> my pal Wyatt. Hey, how's it going, everyone? How are you doing, Jason? Doing pretty well. I'm glad you uh, kind of kicked us in gear on the Rediscovered podcast again. Well, actually, it wasn't totally me. I actually got a feedback from our friend, old classmate that we've mentioned over on Memory Jogger, and that was from Bob. And his message was, I liked the Pole Position Rediscovered episode. I remember loving that show when I was a kid, but like you, I didn't remember much more than the cars and their removable computers. One thing I'd like to get from your take, though, is it just me or is Kenny Loggins' Danger Zone a blatant ripoff of the Pole Position theme? Never thought about it that way, but you know what? It did sound similar now that I've, I've listened to both and it's similar. I don't know that it's a ripoff, but one could argue that if yeah. you want to court. Uh, a few songs in the 80s had that synthesizer uh, link to it. <laughs> so I can I can hear that. I can hear the similarities now that I'm kind of going through it in my head. But interesting point there. Appreciate that feedback. Yeah, I mean, that's good. You know, all these episodes here in the Rediscover the 80s podcast feed, feel free to reach out and uh, if it's new to you and we can still you know react to it and comment to it but yeah i'm glad we're kind of back in this uh, mindset of going back to some of these shows and rediscovered you know we started this oh gosh i don't know how long ago but just something that you know hey i i kind of remember this or i i remember hearing about this movie and never seen it and going back and you know find some new stuff to watch or you know as the title says uh going back and really reviewing uh, some of these things that we just have fuzzy memories on. So, right. I think in our last episode, uh, we decided hey, we're going to retire the, the rotation because it's sometimes difficult to find stuff, uh, even on uh, paid streaming, let alone free streaming services that we want to review. And we made a list and, you know, we've gone through some of that that was available to us, uh, easily available on YouTube and some of these free streaming services. But I think it's best not to kind of shoehorn ourselves into one particular list or sequence as we're going through this and just let stuff come to us, you know? That's it. We've, I guess, come to like the way we do it on Memory Jogger, where it's more free-flowing. We were, like Jason said, kind of held to a little bit of a, a rhythm, but it's I would call it almost hindered us because we can't find that cartoon sometimes in the rotation. So we have right, to right. grasp at straws to grab a cartoon that might be out there. So we've, like Jason said, we just kind of whatever is next is on the list. We're going to grab or so we can find it and use it. And that's yeah. what we're doing tonight. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Cause uh, Tubi has been one that, uh, I've been watching Tubi for a while now, and it seems to have stuff just pop up 
that oh yeah i do remember that and i I can't believe this is on streaming somewhere you know some of those instances as well so that was where i kind of went you were we were back and forth on hey let's kick this off again and i went over to tubi and just uh basically I, i had a list together this past week over uh doing my the 80s weekly newsletter and I did a March streaming service. I kind of went through there and uh, saw what movies were available new to Tubi, basically, and uh, came across a couple choices. One was uh, Revenge of the Nerds 2, Nerds in Paradise. I have never seen that movie. I've seen the first one, but the first one's not out on streaming anywhere. So it kind of seems dumb to cover a sequel <laughs> before covering maybe, you know, the, the first one. Uh, and then this movie club paradise popped up and it just seemed like it was going to be in our wheelhouse by all of the actors that were in it. And it's got a ensemble cast as far as uh, comedians of the day. And we'll get into the cast a little bit more, but had you remembered club paradise at all? Never watched it. Never even heard of it. So this was a true discoverer for me. Okay. Yeah, I'm the same way. I had heard about it or I've heard of it over the years. Did not ever see it. Did not realize it was directed by Harold Ramis until I started doing some of this research for the podcast. So it's weird that in this kind of prime time here, 1986, and having Robin Williams as your star, uh, you would think that... This would have kind of come up a little bit, but I think a lot of that has to do with its success or lack thereof (laughs) as to why it maybe missed us all together, you know? Right. So uh, what we're going to do, I'm going to go a little bit into the development here. I'll turn it over to Wyatt. Wyatt can go through the box office and home video history a little bit. We'll talk about the plot and uh, a little bit about the cast and everything and even some critical reviews of the day and what it is uh, currently standing with, uh, for instance, like Rotten Tomatoes. And then we'll give you our review of the movie, what we liked, what we didn't like, maybe some favorite characters or least favorite characters, and give you our, uh, of course, our overall take. Should it be rediscovered or should we leave it in the past? That'll be our climax of the episode. So uh, going back a little bit into the development of this movie, the screenplay was written by Harold Ramis and Brian Doyle Murray, uh, the brother of Bill Murray. And the story came from essentially four people. Harry Shearer, who you might know as one of the longtime voice actors on The Simpsons, Tom Leopold, Chris Miller, and David Standish. And it seems like Harry Shearer was a little upset. They did a, the rewrite when Harold Ramis and Murray took it over. And I guess it was... Uh, pretty much nothing what they originally wrote. They they kept the title, and that was about it. And he was appalled by the movie that he later removed his name from the credits altogether. So uh, basically, this is the brainchild of Harold Ramis and Brian yeah. O'Murray. Uh, like I said, directed by Harold Ramis. And it's a bit of a reunion of sorts, this movie, reuniting Ramis with most of his SCTV or Second City TV co-stars, from that series back in the day. Andrea Martin, Eugene Levy, Rick Moranis, Joe Flaherty, Robin Duke, all those playing supporting roles, as does Brian Doyle Murray. 
former SCTV staff writer. So all those guys are kind of coming back together to uh, make this movie. And didn't didn't really uh, pan out the way uh, I'm sure right. they hoped. So tell us about a little bit about the box office. It was released on July the 11th, 1986. Its best week was its first week, which was only good for fifth place, just over $6 million. By its third week, it had fallen out of the top 15. It had some stiff competition, despite being the only major release that week. Karate Kid Part 2 was in its fourth week at number one. Ruthless People, Back to School, and Top Gun in its eighth week all finished ahead of it. Aliens debuted at number one the following week and would hold that position for four weeks. The overall take was $12.3 million on a budget of $15 million, so they took a loss. <laughs> was released to VHS Home Video in 1987 and also later on both DVD and Blu-ray. It is streaming on Tubi, which is where we were able to find it, and it is rated PG-13. Uh, mainly for language, I would say. Right, because it was borderline a couple trying to peek things things out there. Well, true, yeah. There was some uh, things there, too, yeah. Uh, so the basic plot of the movie is Jack Moniker, who's played by Robin Williams, is a retired firefighter. We get to see a little bit of him in action at the beginning of the movie. He teams up with a reggae singer, Ernest Reed, played by Jimmy Cliff, to open a tropical island resort. In addition to local eccentrics, such as British layabout, Anthony Cloyden Hayes, played by Peter O'Toole, Jack and Ernest are joined by tourists eager to stay at the resort, including the goofy party-seeking duo of Barry and Barry, which is Eugene Levy and Rick Moranis. Unfortunately, whiny customers and greedy land developers threaten to spoil the fun. <laughs> so that's your condensed plot there and like i said this has an ensemble cast uh, just a, a ton of people in this movie and I, you know robin williams is the lead of course we know who he is and right. we've actually done a memory jogger on robin williams which we invite you to go back and listen to but uh any other actors that kind of stood out to you as you're watching the movie oh i know that guy or i know that lady well, I saw him very briefly, and I must have been turning my head when I missed him, or like casually missed him when that was Bruce McGill, very last on our little uh, cast list. Yes. You might recognize him more as that bumbling pilot of MacGyver's, who was always looking right. to create his own, uh, you know, airline. But yeah. I like missed him almost altogether. I, I don't think he even had a mustache, and that's why I didn't recognize him. Well, like, he he was at the beginning of the movie, just in that little part where he's the firefighter. Right, so, and that's when I'm like, is that who? And I had to take like a double take, and that's when I recognized right. him. But that was in his early days, too. I mean, this is, well, I guess not so early. MacGyver came out in 87, so not too long after that. Yeah, not too long he was there. He's been a supporting actor in a lot of different movies. Right. He did came to be one of the one of the stars uh, in a in a law type. I can't remember what it was. Just not, I say, not too long. Maybe ten years ago now. Okay. I can't place him now. The the show rather, but it was neat to see him. And he was a bigger. He was probably still a co star, but he was he was quite placed there. It wasn't like okay. this on and off, on and off that he did in MacGyver. 
He's had some fun roles. I, I like him as a bad guy. Um, he is in the movie Three Fugitives, which I love. And he plays, uh, he has a small role in that, but he's more of a, a bad guy in that. He's also in, let's see, I think it's Black Sheep with Chris Farley and David Spade. He plays the governor's... Whatever. I missed him on that. It's been a long time since I watched that movie. Yeah, that, that's a few that I just kind of popped in my brain. Uh, I didn't realize there are actually two Bond girls in this movie. The main uh, girl that's the uh, love interest there of Robin Williams, Twiggy, she was a Bond girl in, I think, The Man with the Golden Gun. And then one of the other two girls that... uh. Barry and Barry are trying to get with their Carrie Lowell. She was in the Bond movie License to Kill when Timothy Dalton took over in the later 80s. So it would have been af just after this movie came out. So that was a little fun fact there that there's two Bond girls in this movie. The other one that kind of stood out to me. So I remember Mary Gross. Uh, she was on SNL for a time as well, I believe. But her friend, I think her name is Robin Duke. She is the one I was like, where do I know her from? And these are the two office ladies that go on this little vacation together. She is the waitress in Groundhog Day. So when they're at the diner and, uh, oh gosh, what is her name? It's escaping me now. But anyway, she's the one that uh, is the waitress there during Groundhog Day. Doris. Doris. Mm. Yeah. Oh yes, <laughs> that's really the only thing I I knew her in. So I I don't remember really watching SCTV much. Do you? Don't think I even heard of that one <laughs> either. To oh, be honest, Second City. Yeah. So it was kind of a I don't know if it was a precursor or or came out about the time Saturday Night Live did. So it's a sketch show, but I believe based in Canada. So it was huge in Canada, and then. I guess in syndication came over to the U S in the like late seventies, early eighties, probably John Candy was a part of it. I'm trying to think of some other actors, but like Rick Moranis, Eugene Levy, all those guys were comedians on uh, second city television. And about the time that, you know, SNL was taking off too. And you had, you know, the Bill Murray's and Chevy chase and all those actors on you know, in, in the USA on SNL. Right. So I, I've just never gone back to really experience that again. I'm not sure if that's out streaming anywhere, but it was a sketch comedy show, I believe based out of uh, Canada. So uh, any other actors kind of stuck out to you? Aside from Robin, Rick Moranis, Eugene Levy, I honestly did not really recognize too many others in there okay uh, i'm sure they were uh you recognize the bond girls i don't i've never i don't think i've watched too many bond movies to be honest so no they were all most of them were a new cast to me okay well that's fair enough since you weren't uh watching sctv either but why don't you go into a little bit about what the critics thought of this movie well sadly the rotten tomato meter is around 11 percent the General audience score is 36%. So that tells you what people thought about it, mm -hmm. uh, at least in those, in those genres. 
Robert Ebert gave the film two out of four stars and wrote, the movie never really comes together. And I think the fault for that begins with Williams. When the star of the movie seems desperate enough to depend on one-liners, can the rest of the cast be blamed for losing confidence in the script? Ramis later said, we thought Club Paradise had a good chance at the box office, but we were the fourth Caribbean comedy out that year in 1986. (laughs) And none of them did any business. The casting ended up being diametrically opposed to what was intended. It was intended for Bill Murray and John Cleese with Bill as the laid back guy and Cleese as the over the top guy. And we ended up with Robin Williams and Peter O'Toole with O'Toole as the laid back guy and Robin, the over the top guy, the polarity shifted and it was probably not as interesting or as solid as it might've been if Bill and Cleese were there. Yeah. I thought that was interesting and it kind of makes sense to me. Robin Williams is such a improv guy one-liner guy and Roger Ebert I think (laughs) nailed it there because you get Robin Williams in this movie no doubt and he has some funny lines throughout the movie but it does kind of take away from really any comedy writing in the script when you're so heavily on the the lead actor to do his shtick you know what I mean right so and I can see that it would have been a very different movie with bill murray as the lead you know, i could see Cleese. him doing his lounge type singing that he does or yeah, or has yeah, is yeah. sporadic like he does where he's he can be over the top as well but he's he's like i don't mean this negatively but almost like uh that attention and attention deficit like oh there's a bird let's go shoot it let's go find it let's go get it <laughs> oh here we go chasing after the bird yeah, i could yeah. see bill doing that as opposed to the one-liners that robin is well known for yeah i'm not i'm not in total agreement but i i see where everybody's coming from in the because this is not you know the best movie out of any of these guys really in my opinion but all right so let's go into kind of our review and I guess let's just start. What's your overall thoughts? Did you enjoy the movie? Were you glad you watched it? <laughs> I started out seeing it, and I I liked the kind of premise it had. You know, you got this firefighter who's pretty well dog and wants to hang it up. And I get it. You know, firefighters, we probably have about 2% knowledge of what they go through in and out of their everyday. Um, that Chicago, I've not watched it very much, but uh, that Chicago fire is probably closer to reality than anything that I know. But, you know, they're going to rescue people. They got fires going all the place. Uh, you think of 9-11, you know, they're going to rescue people that they might not even come back. So I get Robin's character where he's done. But I see his partners and they're, oh, I've heard that before, you know, no, I'm done. Oh, I've heard that before. Well, this time the dog pretty much sealed the deal, I guess that he was done. So he wants to do something else. Maybe go to paradise. Seems very cliche, especially in the eighties to just go to an Island and basically not do anything, live off your retirement. I liked that. What I, and I saw what Robin was trying to do his character, rather trying to, well, let's see if I can make a couple of bucks while I'm here and help the Islanders and build up this little tiny resort and whatnot. But then it just, 
went about five different ways and I did not like any five of those ways. Um, <laughs> you got the clients trying to, oh, I like the berries in particular. You got them initially trying to hound two girls primarily, but they were after anything really. And then it kind of went a left turn to like, okay, uh, well, let's just go find some weed. Okay. Went from looking for women to looking for weed. Oh, just looking whatever. For a good time, man. Well, I know that was their line, but it, to me, it was like they just kind of like did a left turn or, you know, just kind of veered off course. Yeah. Um, then you got the the whole business company, the the Emirates or whoever's coming in to try to steal their land, to try to big up, make up this big, huge fantasy island, I'll call it. And then you got Robin trying to help out his his guy, Ernie, Ernest B- Reed, his character trying to to keep the resort to, to help the clientele as poor as it is. Yeah. I don't know. It was, I get this world. It goes into the soap opera. You know, you watch five minutes of someone or a pair of people, this one scene, next five minutes, you're out on a speedboat doing something else. Next five minutes, you're, you know, out in space. Yeah. They're trying to follow the lives. But for me, it was just too all over. I don't know if that's what you saw. That's that's what I saw in this this movie. Oh no, I'll I'll agree definitely. I mean, there was a story there. There was. <laughs> there well, there. I mean, let me rephrase that. There were many stories there. They just didn't choose one enough to kind of focus on that. You're trying to do maybe too much with a comedy, and we'll get in a little bit more later on my overall thoughts but i wasn't uh by any means going to turn it off or just uh didn't like it i thought it was worth my time to watch and there were some fun parts some generally funny parts in there and uh some good lines like i said but yeah it just trying to tie it all together was very difficult and lots of cliche lots of uh things that have been done before you know it wasn't too much a new thing and if you're gonna do that that's fine i'm not saying that's necessarily what was wrong with the movie but if you're gonna do that make sure you are just over the top with all these characters that you're bringing in to have fun with it and i don't know there just seemed to be like you said too much maybe the ensemble cast wasn't needed Maybe you could have trimmed back a lot and made a a better movie, but I had fun with it overall. Like you mentioned, I think my favorite characters were the Berries, which was Eugene Levy and Rick Moranis. They were really fun. They had some great lines, some great uh, funny scenes. You know, they're there on vacation. They're trying to pick up the chicks, have a good time. Of course, they're having nothing of them. So this whole weed thing became more of a, let's get this done so we can get with the chicks because uh, they even requested it at one point. And then uh, they scored one joint and they pretty much shared it with everybody else, but them, you're like, Oh, that's, (laughs) you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, encouraging people go out and smoke weed, but after what they went through, right. This taxi ride to get it, to come back to, not pay off. I kind of felt bad for them. But yeah, I, I had fun with them, I think, the most 
out of all the guests and even the the main cast too, I think they were the reason why I kept watching. My least favorite was probably the former governor there, Peter O'Toole. I didn't know what they were going for with him. Exactly. Even up until the end when he finally helped them, I know I didn't know if he was supposed to be Jack's rival, his his enemy or his friend and his character, he just seemed like a snob and okay, that's fine and all if you're going to introduce those people, but essentially pick a side or something <laughs> because it, it leaves you I don't know. It it just I I really didn't care about him by the time the movie was over, even though he essentially saved the day at the end. By that time, I was like, yeah, you didn't help him throughout the you know first 80 minutes of the film. Why should I <laughs> care about you in the last 10? I right. don't know. It's kind of, kind of very, did you have any favorite characters, least favorite characters? Well, I, I actually had a little bit better liking. I, I wasn't that fond of the berries, to be honest. I was, I liked Robin probably just, more because I liked his comedy. Um, yeah. Even there, as much as it was so, sort of misplaced in, in, in some ways, I liked him. I liked him. He kind of built up his his one-liners because he was just a regular guy, it seemed, as it started out. But once he got kind of more and more involved at, at the mm-hmm. on the island, the one-liners started to spool out. But I liked him. I kind of liked his partner. I think because... He was just trying to to make an honest deal, trying to keep it his little piece of St. Martin uh, original with the the style of music. He didn't want to. He actually did not want to play any type of modern music or anything that was more normal for the Americans. Yeah, yeah. He wanted to keep it whatever St. Martin's Jamaican type theme was. He wanted to keep it native, and I I applaud him or at least his character in that. So that's why I like them. The least, the berries, like I said, they were too, yes, the ultimate, they were looking for a good time, but they couldn't find out that good time. They went from women to weed. And then that went off kind of in a tangent with Eugene's character. And then the couple, the couple, as funny as they were in a way, the the couple that just didn't want to be together, you know, the guy just wanted to read his book. Yeah, it seemed like they were trying to, energize their marriage again yeah. right and it didn't work out like until the last two minutes of the movie but the girl wanted to like be the do everything the rebel she wanted to go parasailing and she thought it was freeing to go smash up against the trees i mean i guess if your marriage is that on the rocks uh smashing up the trees but anyway i didn't like those characters i, I got why they were there and i got what the the purpose was there you know they're trying to revive rekindle but it was just I didn't like them. I hate to say it. I just didn't like them. This seems like that set of characters had been done too much. Nth degree. Yeah. So you pretty much knew what you were getting. You're getting the free spirit in one and then the other guy. And then finally the tables turn at the end and you got the boy scout there trying to lead everybody back after they lose their clothes, you know? Right. And and he, he kind of kicks in and she, and then, you know, at the end they make out and, (laughs) <laughs> during the uh, war. So, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, we knew what we were getting with those, those characters in particular. And like I said, I, f- I feel like they were trying to be funny with those people and yet still keep this story of 
the hotel trying to stay in business. And I don't know. I, I would have liked them just to go over the top with one of those two storylines, you know, bring right. people in that need a vacation. They, I, I love that they have this brochure. You know, this is how you learned about things back in the eighties, no internet. You got brochures in the mail or you saw an ad in the magazine. You're like, Oh, let me check this out. And then you call and you know, whatever you're basing your whole vacation on just what you're reading in a little brochure that's, you know, that kind of gag uh, combined with the crazy pilot and on the airplane just started off great where they're all there. They're getting duped. Their rooms are not what was advertised. And, you know, there are some fun little tricks there. The shower fix, you know, mm -hmm. oh, there's, there's no, uh, no water in our room. The shower's not working. Uh, Robin's like, okay, I'll fix it. I'll fix it. And then the, the lady goes back in and she gets blown away. Like she's being hit with a fire hose, you know, that kind of stuff is fun. I, I enjoyed that, but I don't know. It's still, it, it felt flat at times or they ran out of stuff to do and all right, we'll just send them on this. Uh, we'll send them away as we're trying to figure out what to do with the hotel. You go over to here to this, uh, the secluded nude beach that we're telling you about you know, and, and that whole, that leads everybody kind of away and on their own little subplot here to try to get back to the hotel. I don't know. There's lots of, lots of back and forth there. The, some of the other fun things though, scenes I did like, I thought the, the hair trick in the kitchen was fun. So you got the, the head cook there. She's mad because you got this guy from the Island, one of the natives there. He's got this long hair. And he's working in the kitchen. And even Robin says, you know, you don't want to find a five foot long hair in your soup or whatever. So, you know, they stuff it all in this huge like chef's hat. And she, you know, he walks in, you get the laugh and the, the lady, the, the head chef there, she likes it. So that was a funny little gag. And then, well, at first I thought the surfboard in the ocean or the, the, windboard whatever you want to call it that oh i'm gonna try this out rick moranz's character mm -hmm. and uh that became i I, <laughs> I wrote down in my notes this movie is essentially Ernest goes to camp on a tropical island if you think about it that way because that surfboard gag became the golf cart the the golf cart that just wanders and Ernest goes to camp you know and every once in a while it pops up and no oh, it's still going Oh, uh, it's still going. And they did that with this, this <laughs> with Rick Morandis on the the uh, sailboard there. He's out in the ocean. He passes a ship. Help, help. He's waving. And the people are just smiling, waving back at him. And then he finally makes it back, you know, at the end of the movie. But yeah, I don't know. I, I would rather, I guess I would rather watch Ernest Goes to Camp than <laughs> And get a get a better plot and uh, glue better better guests, I guess, than and then uh, this movie. But what were some other things, if you had any, that you uh, liked about the movie? I liked the shower scene. Uh, the hair thing was okay, but the shower scene was actually a little bit more fun. I love that you know that she's complaining that there's no pressure again, and again, and all of a sudden it's like like you a true like flying back. Yeah, right. That's but it's looked more like the the like the a true fire hose type. Yeah. So I had fun with that as much as I wasn't exactly, it wasn't appealing to me. 
the the search for the weed when Eugene finally finds that huge like bag he's like oh I got enough weed the last 20 years I'm like that was actually kind of funny in a way then he's the dilemma beyond that he's like ah, what am I going to do with all this where am I gonna, how am I going to take it home and yeah, so he's yeah. trying I'm to pack it up doing 20 years yeah yeah. So yeah that's funny and then he wakes up the next morning whatever he's off into the jungle trying to figure out what to do with this bag and he's using it for a pillow right <laughs> that was, right that was fun kind of the dislikes like you said it was kind of a predictable type of theme and towards the end i felt like they were taking a couple cues from the a-team because you got this army coming in and you got what seemed to be only a few people initially you didn't see the, the army come back in the end but you're like these this is hannibal where's ba you know i didn't see ba kind of felt like that way as much as i like a team it just I, I wasn't feeling it i guess yeah and then I, like i said about the berries that that whole kind of side scheme that was going on with them is aside from trying to get laid essentially they were trying to get high yeah so yeah. i i just uh, i couldn't get past that 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 really took away from me for me rather but it was an okay movie overall i don't know if i would watch it again i'm one that has no problem watching and rewatching movies but this one i'm not so sure <laughs> yeah yeah one of the i guess one of the things i also wrote down too was it just felt like you you had the the, the over-the-top guests but i mean it was all just tropes you had the the good-looking surfer guys and then you had the babes and then you had this couple from wherever they were cleveland or new york that were fighting and then the the party guys the berries the characters kind of outside of the that couple which took the spotlight a couple times and the berries with their side plot there everything else just kind of blended together and then by the time the end of the movie came and okay now we mean business they're going to go to war over trying to get this land to sell to the higher powers so they can you know whatever make a lot right, of money right and that whole thing was weird because then you know you have uh the uh the governor coming in with his troops they're actually shooting you know at uh robin williams and uh his partner there and then you got all these tourists he's like everybody get off the beach in five minutes because grab your gear and uh things you know we're, we could go to civil war here so <laughs> there's the the scene that got me was you have all the guests running down the beach you got uh robin and uh, jimmy cliff there his partner in the middle running and then you got all the the nationals there mm -hmm. running after them with the guns right and then <laughs> then the uh the native people come with their guns, you know, and they're all kind of in the middle of that. And you would think they'd be shooting each other by now. And then you got this reporter, the, uh, the New York times person that was there to review club paradise. That's photographing this whole thing. And this thing is just, you know, going to give her the Pulitzer or something. And she stops. And there's a couple of times where the, the governor and his crew, they like pose for, her, you know, and I don't know. It was, a serious kind of a plot going there. And then they're trying to be funny in the middle of it. 
and it just got too maybe cartoony at the end there. And what's his face? Peter O'Toole that came in to save the day at the end, riding on his horse. And oh my gosh, yes. Uh, everybody stop shooting and, or Great Britain's going to come in and blow y'all up or something. I don't know. What? <laughs> it, it was so convoluted. Anyway, going back to your point, is this a movie we should recommend people to rediscover or leave in the past? It sounds like you're more, I'm not going to watch it again. I'm not necessarily probably going to recommend it for anybody else to go watch it if they haven't. Am I on the right path there? I'm right on the fence, to be honest, because I, I have nothing against Robin or Eugene Levy or Rick Moranis. I really like them, and usually they're very fun. I like their characters. On the same side, this this was a hard one to watch. Not their best roles, you would agree, right? I would agree. This was not their best roles, probably just needing a paycheck or at least a name somewhere in highlights. Uh, aside from that, yeah, it was not. It was a challenge to watch it. Kind of hard to keep my attention because I saw, like you, I saw a lot of cliches, but I also saw a lot of too much, too many stories, too many scripts. It seemed that they were trying to mesh together, and we've said that over and over again. And I, I just did not like this style, and maybe that's why Brian Doyle Murray was so upset about it. Uh, because you mean uh, Harry Shearer? Harry Shearer was. Oh, Harry Shearer. I'm yeah. sorry. I thought you said yeah. Brian, but Harry Shearer was the one that was having a problem with the fact he didn't want to want to be associated with the movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like deviated from the original idea so much that he was like, this isn't my movie. Goodbye. So who knows what we could have got, I guess. Exactly. It could have been a much stronger movie. Could have been a whole different storyline. Obviously it was. I mean, what I'm saying is it might be the firefighter goes and he's the multi-million dollar that you know does something better with the island i don't know but there's no looking for the weed and all these other stories going along i again i'm speculating i'm throwing things in but we don't know and and again that's like i said i'll I'll leave it up to the the listener (laughs) to make their own good choice i would lay more just to keep it in the past to be honest well i'm just gonna say yeah if you saw this movie back in the day I don't know. I really don't know if there's enough there that would motivate you to go back and watch it again. If you haven't seen it back in the day, like we, it missed us all together. I would say just go ahead and leave it alone because there's so many other things that Robin Williams has been in that even Eugene Levy up through the present day, some of his shows, a lot of people love uh, one in particular. I won't mention the name here because it's a little over the top. You guys know if you know Eugene Levy. And then, of course, Rick Moranis. So many great movies he was in in those parts. And I really feel like, you know, I don't know at what point uh, Harold Ramis signed on to do the movie. Obviously, there was a rewrite there, and he was known kind of for that to work with whatever existing script is and kind of make it his own. But it, it, it feels like there should have been more rapport with these characters because, like I said, this was a reunion of SCTV. A lot of these actors had worked together before, and you could see some of them had that rapport with each other, like the two ladies, the two office ladies there. That was fine there. And the berries, yeah, like them or, or not like them, 
Levy and Moranis, they were they were still fun together. But it's not they're 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 kind of here's a pair, here's a pair, here's a pair. You can't you don't have that overall chemistry, really. I mean, there's some scenes where they're all together, but you don't get that uh, in the movie. So I I, I kind of feel like okay. Ramos was like, maybe we need to keep the budget down. I'll hire all my buddies from SCTV to do this movie with me. Right. And uh, maybe, you know, we'll, we'll keep the budget down instead of getting some of the more high dollar actors or whatever. So maybe that's what that ended up being. Again, I'm speculating now. We might not know for sure what uh, happened back in the day, but I'm going to say just leave this one in the past too it's close because I, I did have some fun things and I, I do love Robin, but I don't think this was his best movie by far. So I don't even think saying if you're a Robin Williams fan, go watch this. I don't, I'm not sure. I'm sure I would say that. <laughs> so it was kind of a bust. I, again, looking at this cast, you're like, there's some really funny people in here and uh, they're tied to a lot of, movies that we know and love eugene levy especially I, I thought oh man here we go this is uh armed and dangerous we're getting eugene levy here right that was kind of a totally different character not the eugene levy that he's mostly known for as your personality but that i was like man there's so many fun people in here that this it's got to be at least worth watching and i would say it was at least worth watching once but uh, I'm not gonna not gonna go out and tell people go watch Club Paradise. <laughs> Unfortunately, right? So, kind of a downer to to get this thing going again. But we're making our own recommendations, and like Wyatt said, if you want to choose for yourself, if you heard some things that we talked about during a review, and you're like, oh, I, I gotta see it now, feel free, man. Feel free. That's it. You know, it's just like you know, you got the Cisco Niebert, you got whomever, uh, the Rotten Tomatoes. There's so many people that make their own opinions, and some of us, you know, will say it's terrible, but someone else is like, this is one of the greatest movies there, are. there is, yeah, you know. Yeah. Everybody has their own take and their liking, so we're not dogging on you by any means whatsoever, but obviously, you got two opinions right here, and they're both alike. <laughs> take the plunge if you want and t- let us know about it, you know. Yeah. And hit us back on social media and say, I watched Club Paradise, even though you guys said leave it in the past. And let us know your thoughts on it. We'll have a little That'd be great. And we have kind of a lost episode we did notes on, and, and now we're going to have to go back and revisit. So we've got one kind of in the queue waiting for us. So hopefully we'll be back here before too long and be able to give you another episode. Well, that does it again for Rediscovered on our review on Club Paradise. We invite you to join us on our show notes at rediscoverthe80s.com. Visit us on any of our social media outlets. You can reach us even on email, jason at rediscoverthe80s.com. Myself, infamouswb at gmail.com. And for Jason, I'm Wyatt. Thank you again for coming along with us on Rediscovered. Thanks for listening to Rediscovered right here on the Rediscover the 80s podcast feed. Find our show notes at rediscoverthe80s.com. Theme music provided by Bart Graft. Visit bartgraft.bandcamp.com for more retro wave music. Join us again next time as we review more TV, movies, and animation from the 80s right here on Rediscovered. Rediscovered.